0: From PRN, this is Maddie Smith interviewing Dr. Carrie Champagne. Okay, so why are you actually doing this podcast on feedback? So at the conclusion of each rotation or clerkship, um, and what I looked at specifically was obstetrics and gynecology in particular, we asked students to fill out an evaluation. And one of the areas that consistently receives low grades is, did your preceptor give you mid-rotation feedback? And according to the AMC graduation questionnaire, this is a problem in many academic institutions. This is not unique to BCOM. Um, in their study, they found only 40, 42% of students felt they received sufficient feedback during their core clerkships. And many of those that do, do receive feedback do not feel that the comments they receive are helpful. Oftentimes students get their end of rotation evaluations and they're confused or they're upset by a comment And they didn't realize there was a problem because they never received feedback. In fact, I've had more than one student fail a rotation and they're in complete disbelief because no one ever told them they were doing anything wrong or gave them an opportunity to fix it. From a preceptor's perspective, I think all of us can use some reminders about feedback, what makes a good encounter, what makes a bad encounter, um, and what type of feedback is actually gonna be helpful to our learners. Yeah, so what's actually gonna be the purpose or the goal of the feedback? So the goal of feedback is to provide information with the intention of closing the gap between an actual and desired performance. So how do we get from where we are to where we want to be? So you are giving the learner information they need to achieve this goal. And ideally, this is done in a timely fashion so they have the opportunity to use this feedback to achieve this goal before they receive their interpretation and evaluation. How is the feedback that we're talking about different than the evaluation that students are given? So this type of feedback is what we call formative. It's given in a timely enough fashion that it can affect performance before the evaluation. And the purpose of feedback, again, is to reinforce positive behaviors and improve or change negative. And this is what we think about as a teachable moment. And it can be formal or informal. So informal feedback is done daily or after an encounter. a student presents a patient to you and you give them feedback on how they did right then and there. Formal feedback would be mid clerkship feedback, which is a face-to-face meeting halfway through the clerkship. And it can also be really brief. Like you could be in the OR and say, hey, I liked how you buried your needle before you handed it back to the surgical tech. In contrast, the end of rotation evaluation is summative. It's a composite of multiple exposures, often by multiple graders, and it's completed at the end of the clerkship. And the intent of this evaluation is to grade a student relative to their peers or a standard And it's a very formal process. It's standardized and it's high stakes. That's a student's grade. Why do you think uh, preceptors aren't giving feedback? So I don't think that all preceptors are not giving feedback. I think some are great at it and can do it very effectively. But when we question preceptors about feedback, many of them say they've never been taught how to give feedback. Despite its clear performance, effective feedback giving is not always taught. And I can tell you, even after graduating and working with the residency program for six years prior to become, I never received any training. There are preceptors that do not give feedback outside of not having training. Other reasons they cite are not wanting to offend the student and they want to maintain the learner's self-esteem. Um, there was a study by Brown and it showed consistently showed that while medical students and residents perceive they do not receive feedback or enough feedback, the evaluating faculty report, they provide adequate feedback, but the trainees don't recognize it as feedback. And this is a common theme I saw through multiple articles. Why do you think that is? Yeah, so trying to look for a reason about this, I came across this talk called the way we work. um, And the secret to giving great feedback. And the speaker mentioned that when you look at those giving feedback, and this is an observation in the business world, not just medicine. Feedback is not always given in a brain-friendly way. And by that, I mean, some people give very indirect and soft feedback. The recipient doesn't even realize they're being given feedback, and they're just confused as to what the person is saying. But then she mentions people on the opposite spectrum that are too direct with their feedback. So the amygdala in the brain is scanning to see if the message has a social threat. And this can make the receiver defensive. And you get defensive, you put your guard up and the person that's giving the feedback starts to, um, yeah, it gets flustered and there's no clear feedback. And that's why I think it's so important for everyone who will be given this immense responsibility to give feedback to have training because there's many negative consequences when there's an absence of feedback, absence of feedback or only negative feedback. What happens in the absence of feedback? A failure to receive feedback is really one of the most demotivating events to which high achievement oriented people can be subjected, especially adult learners. And this really describes our students and residents perfectly. And it's crucial in all aspects of life, not just medicine. So if you're doing something wrong and no one ever tells you, how are you going to correct it? So my daughter comes home from basketball one day excited. She's finally fixed her basketball shot. She said, I've been doing it wrong this whole time. I had my guide hand in the wrong place and nobody ever told me. And it made me immediately think of this topic. Let's talk about how not giving feedback affects medical students in particular. In a lecture put together at John Hopkins to teach residents, here were some of their thoughts of what happens in the absence of feedback. The first is mistakes go uncorrected. If no one ever tells you you're doing something wrong, how can you fix it, right? So think of my daughter in basketball, but in medicine, the can could be even higher. What if no one ever told you you weren't a, placing a square knot that's needed for hemostasis or that you're contaminating yourself when you self gown and glove? The stakes are much higher. We, if we don't give feedback, we're not reinforcing good performance. And eventually, those good behaviors are going to start to dissipate. We're therefore not achieving clinical competence. And <laughs> trainees will start to generate their own feedback. So, that same student that is not putting down the square knot or contaminating themselves when they self gown Well, if no one gave them feedback, they start to assume they're doing it correctly. And clinical skills become secondary to memory skills. We start only looking at what students know versus what they can do, and then written exams have inflated importance. But most importantly, we're not identifying a path to improvement. Could you walk me through the process of preparing the learner for feedback? Yeah, so it really starts from day one. So let's kind of go start with an overview. So, as a preceptor, you really need to sit down with your student at the beginning of the clerkship and look at the syllabus. And you need to identify what are the institutional goals? What does the medical school expect this student to master while on this clerkship? But then you should ask the student what their goals of this rotation and clerkships are, because of course they need to meet their institutional goals, but they may have others and they can vary. So, for example, the institutional goal could be very broad, but maybe the student says, you know, I really struggle talking to patients about sensitive topics. I'd like to become more uncomfortable talking about these issues. I also like to use this point to find out more about my student. I want to know what their experience is. What did they already know? And this is when you want to start to prepare your learner for feedback. You want to discuss with them when it will be given and how will it be given. You need to start setting that stage. So you could say, I'm going to give you feedback after each presentation, and then mid-rotation, we're gonna have a more formal session where we sit down and reevaluate your goals. What are some other things that a preceptor needs to be aware of when giving feedback? Yeah, so feedback is most effective if it's delivered at the appropriate time and setting. So not when you or the student are post-call, not when the student is trying to juggle another clinical responsibility, and you really need to be prepared. In reality, positive feedback can really be given anywhere But negative feedback really needs to be done in private and without interruptions. And it always should be done as close to the event as possible. And you need to label it feedback. Remember, we said a lot of times preceptors say they're giving feedback and students don't recognize it as it. So each time you want to say, I'm going to give your feedback. What is the role of self-reflection in giving feedback to a student? So self-reflection is including the student, asking them, so how do you think it went? What was done well? What could you do differently or improve next time? It's really giving your student the opportunity to tell you their opinion, and it allows you to see if the learner can identify any of their own areas for improvement. Another thing, when you're talking to students, you really want to make sure you're giving the feedback in a non-judgmental tone and really limit it to two to four areas and ask them to summarize it for you. And then you also summarize for them how they can improve. And you need to make sure that your feedback is on things that the learner can control. So, for example, you can tell a student, I think that the patients are having trouble understanding instructions because you talk too fast. I think it would be helpful if you slowed down a bit. It's fine. I had that feedback often when I moved here from the north. But I had one student that shared with me um, that they were said, told your stutter makes it difficult for patients to understand your instructions. This is not something they control and therefore it's inappropriate feedback. Another example is I had a, a male that wanted to be a pediatrician. He was told you'll never be a pediatrician. You're too tall. Well, there's nothing he can do about his height. A better way to give that feedback maybe. I've noticed when you stand in the room, your height is intimidating to the children. Maybe sit down and talk to them. And you really need to ask how well the person understood the feedback and allow them to develop a specific plan for improvement and establish follow-up. So what are characteristics of a good feedback encounter? A good feedback needs to be specific, it needs to be actionable and timely, and it needs to be respectful. Both participants should be prepared and ready, and you need to reiterate those goals. And again, specific examples are discussed and items discussed were observed, they're not hearsay. And use positive body language, give a smile or a nod, and ask the learner to self-reflect. What makes it a bad feedback encounter? If it's threatening, if it's a threatening meeting, or the preceptor is disrespectful or unfriendly, or it's done in public, um, if it's judgmental and based on hearsay, or if the student's really not given any suggestions for improvement. And I know when we talk about bad encounters, we often hear people say like, who would do that? Like who would make, have a threatening, disrespectful meaning? And I don't think it's always the intent or meant to be malicious, but it can serp- certainly be interpreted by the student as that Okay, so if we put that into practice, um, they've told the learner that they're gonna give feedback. Um, they've heard faculty talk about using the feedback sandwich. How does that work exactly? there's various methods of giving feedback that you'll find in the literature that kind of, with the goal of helping the um, preceptor form a framework for giving feedback. And this is one of the most common ones. So basically picture of the two slices of bread are praise, and then the meat is the area of concern. But what I really like is the teaching physician introduces this idea of a modified feedback sandwich. And the reason I like it is it gives the learner suggestions to work on. So you start with a positive statement, tell them something and they're doing well. And then next you can discuss your concern or something you want to change. But then what you want to end it with is a recommendation to them about what you can do differently next time. Another method that we read about frequently is called the ARCH method, ARCH, where A is allowing or asking that learner for self-assessment. So what do you think went well? What do you think could be done differently? Then the R is to reinforce what's being done. attitudes, skills, knowledge. C is confirming what needs correction or improvement. And then H is helping that learner with an action plan for improvement. So again, we want to make sure that no matter how we're delivering feedback, we're giving them an opportunity for improvement. And there's also one called ask, tell, ask. And again, the same idea, the ask, you're asking them for self-reflection, then you're telling them what you noticed, and then you're asking them again uh, to help you come up with some goals for improvement. Is there any other advice of things to say or maybe things not to say when giving feedback? So whether you're giving feedback that's negative or positive, you should really start it with I statements. I have noticed, I have observed, I have had reported to me, and really avoid you statements. Avoid need to and yes but. Those types of things can really change the tone of the feedback encounter. Could you give some examples of good feedback and then poor feedback? Sure. I was talking to a student today and I asked him how his mid-rotation feedback went. And he said he didn't know. So I kind of probed of how wouldn't you know after you receive feedback? And he said, my preceptor said I was doing okay. What does that mean? And I don't know. Does that mean he's going to pass? Does it mean he's terrible and they don't want to say anything? This is not a specific example. How does he know what he needs to improve? So how could a preceptor rephrase or improve the statement? Um, You know, one thing that we often hear is that a student is told to continue reading or to increase the fund of knowledge. Yeah, we hear this all the time. What do you want them to read? Do you want them to read about the specialty in general? You really need to tell them what they were missing that indicated they had a gap in knowledge. You need to give them guidance. So for instance, a student that really... Was not able to tell you what the causes of abnormal uterine bleeding were, you could say, you really need to read about the palm coin causes of abnormal abnormal uterine bleeding. This will help you form your differential in patients presenting with this complaint. How could a preceptor rephrase something like, I think you made the patient uncomfortable? You could say, I appreciate that you asked the patient about her sexual history. However, I noticed when she gave you her answer, your body language and tone. Suggested you had concerns about our lifestyle. Be aware of nonverbal communication cues from both the patient and from yourself to the patient. Another one that I hear from preceptors often is you're taking too long. And in that case, you could say, I appreciate how thorough you are when eliciting a history. Unfortunately, the visits are taking too long. In the future, we need to focus on the pertinent history as related to the chief complaint. Is there a way that a preceptor could rephrase or refocus a question, something specific like you need to work on your pelvic exam? Absolutely. You could say, I appreciate how you walk the patient through the exam prior to performing it, but I noticed the patient flinches a bit upon insertion of the speculum. I think if you inserted it posteriorly, this would follow the natural direction of the vaginal canal and be more comfortable. So in each of these examples, we've really given the student an actionable item that they can work on. Definitely. I think that positive feedback is often um, easier to give than negative, but how do we give that? I agree, and I think that there's times that negative feedback is not given because we don't want to upset a student, and frankly, it can be uncomfortable for both parties, but we need to remember, remember the consequences that we discussed of not giving feedback and not receiving feedback. The desire to avoid upsetting students with negative feedback can result in what's called a banishing feedback where the teacher lacks the competence to provide meaningful feedback, and then the student doesn't get any. So first, we need to know our own biases. Why aren't we giving honest feedback? Are we more interested in being liked than in giving honest feedback? Ask yourself, do you have the courage And compassionate to serve the interests of the students before you. And I think especially as a new preceptor, this is a difficult one. Students want feedback even if it's negative or constructive. And the psychology literature suggests that most individuals value constructive feedback that is designed to improve their own performance as long as you give it privately. And learners actually rank given constructive feedback or gives constructive feedback as a preferred preceptor behavior just remember that negative feedback should be done in private, never in front of a group, and set the stage. Your learner should know that they're about to receive feedback and have that opportunity for self-reflection. And if you're giving negative feedback, express concern. When you have an angry tone, or you sound frustrated or sarcastic, that really can change the underlying message. So what is mid-rotation feedback and how is that different? So this is really just meant to be a more structured process than informal feedback that students really should be given on a daily basis. And remember, some learners don't even recognize they're receiving feedback and some students get lost during the rotation, especially if there's multiple learners. So this is their opportunity for one on one protected time. Ask them again to identify their original goals and to self assess if they've made any progression in achieving these goals give them feedback and make sure it's actionable, and then have them confirm they understand. And mid-rotation feedback is actually a medical school accreditation requirement. Any rotation that's four weeks or longer does need to have mid-rotation feedback. Our students at VCOM are provided a form, and it's essentially for them just a template um, for them to help elicit feedback from their preceptors. Our goal is to really normalize constructive feedback at all levels and set up this expectation for this ongoing feedback. What mistakes have you noticed people frequently giving in feedback? They forget to label it feedback. Remember we said um, faculty often say they're giving feedback, but students don't recognize it. They really think that it needs to be formal, that they need to sit down and have this formal session in order to get it. So they just keep putting it off and putting it off and it doesn't need to be. Um, they give feedback that doesn't translate into a plan of action. So the students just don't know what to do with it or how to improve. And then finally, they don't want to give bad feedback. And so it turns into vanishing feedback. It just doesn't happen. Awesome, thank you. This podcast provides general information and discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. It is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice or the practice of medicine. The views expressed herein do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Edward via College of Osteopathic Medicine or any other institution or employer. This episode was hosted and produced by Maddie Smith and edited by Peter Samuel. For more PRN, please be on the lookout. If you like this episode, tell someone about it and start up a conversation. This is PRN.